hello. Thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will write the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla and as everyone joined by Holly. Hello. And this is part two of our specials where we are taking a bit of a different look at it and are reviewing films that have a theme park in them. And again, like the last one, it's a little flimsy. Because mm, I, I would say, because I've never seen this film before, if mm. we're going to be really tech about it i would say it's more of a fair it is more of a fair it's kind of on like we would have at like i don't know a pier yeah carla it's, it's our own podcast we can do what we want we can do whatever the hell we want that's the stage we're at now you know if we wanted to just go and do mamma mia we could do it we could and you know what we might <laughs> yeah. who knows what's around the corner so this film was released on the 31st of July 1987 in the USA and try as I might for the first time ever I can't find the UK release date for The Lost Boys. Oh. And I went down my Google search three pages and could oh. not find it and I refused to go to a fourth page that's my that's my own rule. <laughs> I will only go to the first three pages. So if it's on the fourth one, you know, you're going to have to look it up yourself. Yeah. And I'm going to go probably around October because that's normally the length of time it takes between America and the UK. And it would have been good for Halloween. Yeah. So, you know, if they didn't release it in October in the UK, we missed a trick. Yeah. Now... Obviously, in 1987, I was nine, so I didn't see this at the time it came out. I wasn't allowed. I really wanted to because it had Corey Feldman in it, who, of course, was from The Goonies, which was one of my childhood films. So desperately wanted to see it. My uh, mum and dad wouldn't let me, rightly so, because it is a bit violent. So I didn't see this until I was probably about 13 or 14, and I was heavily into my metal stage by then so i was all in black didn't listen to anything other than you know sort of rock music and i think that's why i really enjoyed it because i thought it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen so watching it back as an adult usually always a little disappointing and you know i think i think that's fair to say with this one i probably you know wouldn't have liked to have been in your shoes watching it at the age Mm. of 29 yeah but nevertheless, I think it still holds up. The soundtrack is still amazing. It's still one of the best soundtracks, I think, ever in a film. I did say I thought the music was very good. Yeah, it's, and that's probably, I think, what's kept it in pop culture more than anything is the soundtrack. So it starts off with some naughty boys leering at people on a carousel. I mean, that's not, that's not menacing, is it? Oh, look at them going around, sort of, you know, ruining people's night on a 
a carousel like oh you're so crazy and like it's so hard like you know I don't know if I'd be hanging out places like that I mean the hair was was typical of that time period if you were listening to heavy metal at that time the hair I will I will send you some pictures the hair isn't even exaggerated if you were in any kind of rock band you would have had hair like that I don't think that hair was dissimilar to Kiefer Sutherland's own hair in real life during oh. the 80s so they at the time they would have looked amazing gosh um and the security guard chucks them off or chucks them out and it goes to after hours we see the security guard running from something that's flying at him and he's picked up and killed he could have got in the car also, I think if I was in that situation, I'd have probably like ran around the other side of the car, mm. like tried to get away rather than keep just pulling at the car handle when it's clearly locked. Or maybe, oh, I don't know, he was a bit big. I was going to say he could have crawled under the car, but... Mm. <laughs> oh, God, oh, he would have just got like one one foot under there. <laughs> <laughs> So we then cut to a mum and her two sons and the dog moving into their new home after a divorce and they're moving to Santa Carla. My name, isn't it? It's me. Oh, right, yeah. Give a pick up on that. No. No, it didn't. No. Um, so this was uh, meant to be set in Santa Cruz, but they, the government wouldn't or the government, I don't know, does Santa Cruz have a government? Whoever is in charge of Santa Cruz would not allow their name to be mentioned because they said it was the murder capital. Oh. So they had to make it a fictional place, so that's why they changed Santa Cruz to Santa Carla. We see the granddad. I mean, he's weird from the off, isn't he? He's pretending to be dead when they arrive. Dead, yeah. Bantz. <laughs> Corey Haim who's the younger son. Two Corys in this film. First time both Corys were together. Of course, during the 80s, early 90s, the two Corys became quite the celebs appearing in films together. But this was the start of it. So Corey Haim and Jason Patrick say they're broke um, because they're moaning that they haven't even got MTV. Well, they don't even have a TV. They don't even have a TV, let alone MTV. No, there's nothing, nothing going on. They find lots of taxidermy. Also find out that it's the murder capital of the world. There's a concert and there's a gyrating saxophone player. I must say that wasn't typical. I'd never said, I mean, I've seen the saxophone, but never a gyrating saxophone player. So I'm not. I'm not going to say that was a, a typical 1987 oh. trend. More's the pity. Yeah. You know, like how old were these people? I don't know. I think so. Corey Haim was probably what, 14, 15. So the rest, so the rest from 17, maybe. I mean, they looked about 35. This is the thing. Whenever you watch reruns of old game shows like from the 80s, everyone looks 35. That was just a default age. So, I mean, Kiefer Sutherland, what, what is he now, like, in his 50s? Yeah. Well, you look like he does it's now. Nice. I mean, he looked like, like he just yeah. walked off the set of 24. You didn't look and think, oh, my God, doesn't he look young? You're like, oh, yeah, it's Kiefer Sutherland. Maybe, maybe he is an actual vampire. Maybe this was actually a documentary and we've missed, misunderstood. Yeah. <laughs> so we see 
Jason, who was called Michael in the film, but he's Jason Patrick, so eyeing up star. I didn't really get this. Why he was eyeing her up? Well, it's like she didn't really seem like anything special, did she? No, I mean, I suppose she was quite, you know, pretty. But, you know, I mean, she was painted as this wonderful, innocent person that got tangled up in it. She should have put him off from the get-go to stop him getting involved. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, she led him into this entire situation. Really did. You know, the woman's a menace. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. We then cut to a video shop. And we see the naughty boys wandering around the video store, not really doing anything other than looking insanely cool with their big hair. They did nothing. Max, the owner, tells them that he said not to come in the shop again. And the mum wanders in and says she is after a job. We then cut to the comic book store and Corey Haim goes in and talks to Corey Feldman. Was this sort of like a real pinnacle moment in in movie history? Yeah, definitely. They were huge, the two Corys. It's a, you know, they went on and had their. Um, I mean, sadly, Corey Haim is no longer with us, but but yeah, they they went on and they starred in many films together. They were like heartthrobs, and uh, they had their own reality show, the two Corys. They were like quite yeah. a big, hmm, quite a big thing. I couldn't make out if Corey Feldman is doing that voice as an intentional joke or if he was really trying to play it as like someone that was hard. I have to say I'm completely lost. I, I didn't notice anything. You didn't notice the voice he was doing. So I, I did put a poll on Twitter and Instagram to see if people, you know, thought he was he was putting on that voice or not. On Instagram, 73% think that he was trying to do that voice seriously and it's gone the other way on Twitter. To be fair though, Carla, I did vote on that. I mean, I didn't have a clue what I was voting for. <laughs> Don't vote on the polls, Holly. You, you're you not allowed, you're staff. We're disqualified. <laughs> well, I've read Corey Feldman's autobiography, which is a good read, and he said that he was asked to play the part like Stallone which is fair enough. He could, I could tell he was putting on a Stallone-type voice, but I'm still not sure if it was a joke or serious. And I thought we knew because of the results of the poll, but you know, now we know you've just been messing around pressing buttons. <laughs> but what was, what was it on Twitter? So on Twitter, 75% said that they thought that it was intentionally funny, that he knew what he was doing. So Instagram say he that it wasn't meant to be a joke and Twitter said it was meant to be a joke. Go with what your heart tells you. Anyway, we see that Star hangs around with the naughty boys. Who's the little boy? So we get to him later, don't we? The little boy, we see him on the milk carton later on as being missing. So I'm assuming that he was just someone that they kidnapped. Oh. Maybe they, I don't know why they would kidnap a child. Maybe they killed his parents and spared him or something. I have I have no idea. But we see his face on the milk cartons being a missing child later on. He brought nothing to the party. No, he really didn't. Other than I suppose that was supposed to make Star more sympathetic that she cared about this child. In fact, it was just a hindrance. It was another character that I, I was had to remember. Agreed, he, he wasn't needed. We see two people in a car 
and the roof is ripped off and they're pulled out and it then cuts to a funny scene with the granddad in the car with Corey Haim and he, he thinks he's going to take him for a ride but he literally just turns the car on and off. Yeah. But you laughed. Mm, yeah, I couldn't stop. Back to the comic book store. Corey Feldman and the other guy, I'm really sorry, I don't know his name in real life or in this film, so he's just the other guy, give Corey Haim their number and say that vampires often go undercover. So they're insistent there are vampires around. Star flirts with Jason. He asks her to go out for a meal. And she agrees. Odd. And then it's such a shock when, you know, the the whatever they're called... Mm boys come along and you know he's like where are you going yeah and you know despite Kiefer being a murdering vampire I think he had a point she's going out with him yeah he had a massive point he was she was mugging him off making him making it look like a fool actually she was so she was leading him on she was leading Jason on She's mugging mm-hmm. off her boyfriend. And, you know, we know that she sort of needs to keep him on side. So I don't really know what she's playing at. No idea. And who was looking after the little boy while all this was going on? Well, exactly. You know, she cared so much about him. She was out an awful lot. Yeah. Leaving him alone in that cave. Also, very strange that we do see him out and about that little boy. Mm. So he's missing. He's on a milk carton and no one's gone. There he is hanging out with all these random these random boys like that would cause suspicion to me well they know that obviously they're known for causing trouble they're you know the local bikers or whatever they're referred to why wouldn't they say why are you hanging around with this kid yeah or be like to the child even why are you with them Mm. is that your brother no i don't know them yeah weird Mm. Kiefer asks jason to meet him at some point or other, Jason says that he can't beat his bike. He's got a bike, but obviously Keith has got a better bike. And he says all he has to do is keep up. At this point, he then tries to make Jason drive off the edge of a cliff. Oh, he gets well annoyed, doesn't he, at that? And I just actually thought at this point, thought Jason, Michael, whatever his name is, you know, so pathetic with peer pressure. Hmm. At that point, I'd have just been like, no, you're all right. Yeah. There were so many opportunities for him to just go, no. But every time he keeps doing stuff, doesn't he? He does. He didn't help himself. It was entirely his own fault he got caught up in this mess. And then later on, the girl says to him, star says to him, I did try and warn you. No, you didn't. You, You literally whispered in his ear a bit pathetically like, you don't have to. (laughs) that's not warning someone that's not going get the hell away from here you don't understand what you're getting mixed up into i can't see you i can't go for lunch or dinner with you leave me alone don't ever talk to me again yeah i don't like you leave me alone that would have been warning someone off Mm -hmm. i I totally agree so Kiefer takes him to their cave which was cool i mean my god I wanted to live there when I was a teenager and saw that. Do you know why I didn't really love it? It's because it really did give me, like, the Goonie vibes. Oh, maybe that's why I did love it. Yeah. See? Yeah, polar opposite. 
They offer him Chinese food, and as he eats it, Kiefer asks him if he likes the maggots. He looks down and he sees maggots rather than rice. Yeah. But it did, again, it took him a while to catch on. He said, how's the maggots? And he was like, <laughs> you know, wasn't he? Just sort yeah. of really like, oh, yeah. And then he went, no, how's the maggots that you're eating? And then when he looks again, they're not maggots. It's, you know, I don't I don't know if vampires can do that, make you see things, but he was a bit of the, like a David Blaine of the vampire world, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. His skills didn't just stop at eating people. Definitely not. He then asked Michael to drink some of this and be one of us. Now, this is the point that, that Star claims she tried to stop him. So she says, don't, it's blood. It was his own fault. Why would you drink blood? Other than the fact, all right, even if you didn't believe in vampires, it's disgusting. So he'd been warned, and then he was like, "No, I'm going to do it," and, dr- and drinks. It. And actually, he didn't he didn't seem disgusted by it? He didn't even pull a face. I mean, I've never drunk blood, but you know, if you cut your finger or something, you get a taste of it. Describe it being like thick, thick, metallicy. Yeah, I think you'd probably gag. <laughs> I agree. If anything, he seemed to enjoy it. He took a big gulp. He took another one. Mm. And he didn't even go, that was that was blood. He said nothing. And then later on, like, you know, a bit, bit further into the film, at the end, he said something and he went, they made me drink blood. No, no one made yeah. you drink it, number one. No. Don't go now because now you've realised you've got in too far and, you know, it's all blaming someone else. You did it. And secondly, you didn't bat an eyelid when you were doing it. Don't now try and, you know, act all like we're meant to feel sympathy towards you. I felt no sympathy towards uh, his character at all throughout the entire film, actually. No, neither did I. I found him quite pathetic, actually. Weak. Very yeah, weak. Yeah. But we knew that as soon as he started, you know, as soon as he was so easily led. They then take him to hang on the bottom of train tracks. Another opportunity where you could have said no. Like, he wasn't even drunk or high or that, you know, all they'd done was give him some Chinese. Like, literally nothing else had happened to make him do something really stupid. So one by one, they all drop and they yell at him to let go as uh, they say, you're one of us. And eventually he does, but we don't really see what happens. Do we just see him kind of flying through the air and the next shot is yeah. him on his bed. Corey Haim comes in. He asks him for sunglasses. So I guess this is the start of that he's turning into a vampire because he can't bear the light. Mm-hmm. And his mum's on the phone asking him to babysit as she's going to dinner with Max. Granddad's also on a date. And puts on a bit of window cleaner as aftershave. Another comedy moment I bet you loved. Yeah, hilarious. I know you love intentional comedy moments. (laughs) If that's one thing you like, it's an obvious comedy moment. (laughs) Jason starts getting pains and he collapses on the floor. And then we cut to a really weird scene of Corey Haim in the bath. And for some reason, I mean, we've seen, I know his clothes now look ridiculous, but at the time he would have been like, you know, up to date with all the hideous trends. I don't know why he would have been listening to a song, which I think was from the 1940s, possibly 50s. 
like having a kind of sing song. It just seems weird to me that the two don't fit. I don't understand why he was doing that. There are bath people, aren't there? Then there are shower people. Some people, you know, religiously have a bath. I'm not one of those people. I don't really, I'm not into baths at all. Mm -hmm. Do people actually wash their hair in the bath? Well, I, (laughs) I have to because I don't have a shower. So I would wash it with like uh, an attachment on the taps. Because what happened was when I viewed the flat I'm in, looked around, saw a shower curtain, right? Got shower, that's nice. Got in when I moved in to have a shower. No shower. The landladies have just popped a shower curtain up. (laughs) They tricked me. Which to be honest, I didn't even complain about because I think that's quite clever of them. They didn't specify there was a shower, but they gave the perception there was one. You know, like there's a, the, there was the perception that there was a toilet, but there isn't. It doesn't actually work or something. I take it, you know, nothing like that happened. It's actually a Wendy house I'm living in. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't know if the oven worked, would you? No, I mean, yeah, the oven could be could literally be, you know, a facade. Never opened it. I also didn't notice that there were no drawers in the kitchen until I went to put my knives and forks away. I mean, that is weird. Who designs a kitchen and doesn't put a drawer in? And it's, you don't look at it, because when we moved into our house, it was only when I went to go and put, you know, I was like, right, I'll put the knives and forks in the tray, and then I need, like, my other drawer for, like, you know, spatulas and stuff. And then I was like, there's only one drawer. And I was literally like, what? Yeah. Like, who designs a kitchen and only puts one drawer in it? I mean, at least I've got a drawer more than you. Well, luckily, I, I just got from the company I work for, we give cafe like dispensers for the table. Like, you know, like in a greasy spoon. Well, you probably don't. In a greasy spoon, you get uh, where you just put like the knives and forks in like this holder with napkins and things. So I've just got them in there. I've got no choice. No drawer, no shower. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, we digress. Um, so, yes, I would have to wash my, my... Well, unless I wanted to wash my hair over the bath, I guess... But you wouldn't, you wouldn't wash it like you wouldn't wash your hair and then put your head back into the water, would you? Oh, no, dirty, dirty. <laughs> That's what he did. Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't do that, no. I would be washing it, you know, with, with the shower yeah. head. At no point would the water I was sitting in go onto my head. Yeah. So anyway, Jason has turned into a vamp and... He tries to, well, you can't, I guess he's going to attack his little brother. Yeah. But the dog jumps in while Corey Handley, he has his head under the water, so doesn't see any of or it. Or hear any of it. No. Once he realises what's happening, he locks Jason in the basement and he calls the comic book kids. I think they were called the Frog Brothers, but I don't know that for sure. So I'm just going to call them the comic book kids. Yeah, that's fine. It's not like we bothered to learn anyone else's name other than Star. So let's not, yeah, let's not bother now. Jason wakes up and he's stuck on the ceiling. The mum calls, hears shouting, so she leaves Max at the restaurant and drives home. In the meantime, Corey Haim lets Jason in and agrees to help him. And that's when we see a very quick shot of the milk carton, which has the little boy vampire's face on it. So it's not overly obvious. Yeah, if I'm honest, I didn't notice that. Uh, I did actually laugh at this intentionally funny scene where he has the garlic hanging around his neck as he gets into bed. Yeah. I thought that was quite I quite didn't funny. laugh, I smiled. Yes, well, I don't need to go over the top, but you know... 
a wry smile. I think Corey Haim was very good in this, actually. I, for a, a little boy actor, I think he played his part pretty well. Oh, yeah, he was the best one in it. Jason goes to the cave to find Star and they get it on. And then in the morning, he realises that his hand has healed that the dog bit very quickly. Again, he's being very risky. He's gone to Kiefer's house, essentially. Mm. You know, what's Kiefer ever done to him, really, at this point? Yeah, not a lot. He's asked him to be in his gang, essentially, a weird gang. But, you know, he's asked him to join, even though he tried to take his girlfriend, gave him gave him some, yeah. some takeaway. Where did they get the takeaway from? I didn't understand that. Who's delivering to a cave? I don't think Deliveroo would. <laughs> the mum gets chased by Max's dog. Definitely. Yeah. Corey goes and gets the other Corey and his mate. And they think that Max has got something to do with this all. So when Max comes over to dinner, they try and test him. So they feed him garlic and tip water on him and try to get him to look in the mirror. But none of it works. And we cut into Jason and the vampires and they attack a group of friends. And this is quite gory, this scene, isn't it? There's lots lots of blood in this. Yeah. Jason turns into a vampire watching but manages to resist joining in. Corey Haim realises that Star is also a vampire and he tells Jason that the comic book dudes can help him. Star insists that they save the little boy first, so Jason carries him out the cave to safety. That's the only good thing she does throughout the film. Yeah. And they find the vampires hanging up asleep. And this is so ill thought out, it's ridiculous. Well, this group of boys who hang out together, they're well known. They're well known in the area of like being this group. It's pretty bloody obvious who the lead is. Yeah. So if I was going to have a shot killing one of them, I know who I'd be killing. Well, yeah, because they know they have to ultimately kill the leader. If they just killed the leader, then the rest of it is irrelevant. So you just have to get to your main one. So at that point, I'd have been like, right, we tested this other guy. That didn't work. So we need to kill Kiefer. Couldn't agree more. Obvious. Like, let's pick the weediest, smallest one, shall we? Oh, that's right. He's going to be the lead. And he's just taken on the role of sidekick times four. You know, not even the second, not even the best sidekick. I mean, he's literally down, right down. Right down the food chain, isn't he? Yeah. Let's pick him. That'll be it. So, yeah, ill thought out. Ridiculous that they chose that one. And also, what did they think was going to happen? when one of them dies in front of them, that they were just going to all still hang there for the rest to be stabbed to. So anyway, they kill Bill or Ted. Can't remember which one he was. Chaos ensues. Hooray! Have a drink. <laughs> and they escape. Well, the other, the other vampires are very angry, but they escape with the little boy and star. Corey Haim tries to tell the mum... And it's, again, that that bit did annoy me, actually. It was very poorly thought out. Like, do you think your mum's going to believe you and you go running into the shop saying, there's vampires? You know, like, <laughs> just think if you if you want her, if you need her attention, you know, get her to come home and start getting, like, a list of, you know, maybe some evidence together. Because, you know, no one would believe it. 
Well, he didn't believe it. Like a week ago when the comic book blokes told him, he thought it was nonsense. So he makes an excuse to get the granddad out the house and he steals some holy water from the church, chops up loads of garlic and tips it all in a bath. The mum, we presume, tells Max that they have a theory about vampires. She just says, promise you won't laugh, and then it cuts off. So you presume that she's told him. So the vampires invade the house, and we see one by one them, you know, getting bumped off. We got one gets pushed into the bath with the garlic, but that was the dog that did that. Very good, that dog. Hero, twice the dog saved the day. You know, he really was worth his weight in gold, that dog. He was. He didn't get enough credit. He wasn't even on the DVD cover. You know who's front on the DVD cover? Only Jason Patrick. Then we see one get an arrow through the heart and he was was impaled onto the hi-fi. They said death by stereo. I always thought that was really cool when I was younger. I thought that was... Do you now? uh, It's probably the coolest one out of all of them. If I had to pick my favourite death that would probably be it i think the little boy vampire he goes into one and star stops him from hurting him saying he's just a little boy jason turns into a vampire but resists evil and plunges Kiefer onto some antlers i thought that was good was that your favorite death scene yeah but it happened quite quickly because Kiefer, you kind of imagined, would have a, a longer... I thought we were going to have a really dragged out and that shocked me, actually. I was a bit like, oh, like very surprised that mm. it happened so quick. It's a really short film. Really short? I mean, if this was made nowadays, there would probably be at least an hour tagged onto this film where Kiefer escapes and then, he, and then you know, there'd be lots of to and fro And he's hiding in a tree and something. Yeah. It was a very quick and sudden death for Kiefer's character. It pleased me. You know, normally I, I normally I hate those mm. when they drag them out forever. No, I, I found it refreshing. We got to the point, it told the story, you know, let's not overdo it. Agreed. So Jason can't understand why he's still a vampire and they realise there must still be the head one to kill. And of course, Max reveals that he is the vampire. I think this would have been better had they not earlier on said they suspected him i think it was good that they thought it was him but then they didn't actually that you know they completely dismissed him but what i didn't really understand if if so if i was max and at that point if i was if the woman who is at my house said oh you've got to believe me sort of thing my son has come to me and said he thinks there's vampires i would at that point would have gone yeah he's right and you're going to become one. And with no one around, I'd have done it. Yeah, just bitten her neck there and then. And then it would have been better if she walked into the house and they were like, Mum. And she was a vampire. Yeah. Oh, that would have been much better. But it would have added 10 minutes onto the film, Holly. (laughs) It would. So that would have been an interesting twist. That would have been a very good twist. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, he reveals himself and... Explains that because they um, invited him into their house, it rendered them helpless in the first place. That's why he didn't initially react to the garlic, etc. But Jason says, I didn't invite you this time, Max. And that's when it all kicks off. The granddad drives into the house and a piece of wood, which is probably the only positive time that we've seen in a film that the American houses are made of wood, because most of the time it ends in 
catastrophe than they're not built properly. But it was good in this occasion. It was made of wood because it goes through Max's heart and he dies. Didn't know if we really needed to drive the car into the house. I think the granddad might have been reluctant to destroy his house in that manner. (laughs) It's going to take a lot of... I mean, there's blood everywhere for a start. And now they've driven all the walls gone. All All of the pipes and stuff were completely ruined. Was the granddad listening outside, ready to go in at the right moment? There was quite a lot of people that he managed to miss. And how did he know he was stood there? You know, he could have ended up killing his grandson. Very good that the piece of wood did do that because it could have just, he could have literally driven into the house and everyone just sort of be stood there and being like, Well, now what? Hi. This is awkward. Nothing. So a very well-timed piece of wood that happened to go right through his heart. Yeah. And the closing line is the granddad, which is one thing about living in Santa Carla, I really can't stomach all the damn vampires. And that's it. Did you enjoy it? Um, it was all right. So we haven't had much response on Instagram for it. We've only had our friend Will from Hay Down in Front, and he's just put a picture of a bat and a picture of a poo. I think I know what he's saying. I will not have to add in a beep because I'm not I'm not going down that road, Will. And that's all there is to it. I won't rise to it. On Twitter, though, we've had quite a few responses. So we've got at launching the pilot says it's Corey Feldman's birthday today. That was five days ago. Wow. Oh. I think five days, quite good. You know, could have been like five weeks ago, you know. Could have been. By the time this comes out, it'll probably be Corey Feldman's next birthday. The all-seeing guys, who we highly recommend, they're from Britpod Scene, as we're launching the pilot, another one we recommend. They say, I love this film. My mum showing me this when I was a kid felt like a rite of passage. I mean, I think every 80s kid wanted to watch this or pretended they'd watched it. Our friends, you can rewind it, say the dinner scene is one of my favourite movie scenes ever. Well, I guess they mean the garlic bit. Yeah. They obviously don't mean just the dinner scene where it was just the mum and Max. That was a very boring scene. They might. If that's their favourite, I'm going to unsubscribe to them. At Bad Reception Podcast says one of my all-time faves, much like its central characters, it never gets old. It's a perfect balance of horror, comedy and MTV hipness. Killer soundtrack, smart and witty script and some of the best casting ever. Simply put, it's bleep cool. Thank you. Another Britpod scene show at 365 Podcast says, simply put, it's perfect. Oh, Lots of love yeah. for this. Yet again, another Britpod scene podcast at Comic Art Festival says, one of the 80s greats. The mix of horror, action and comedy make for a standout movie. Nothing has quite lived up to it, in my humble opinion, especially the rubbish straight-to-DVD bargain sequels. Movie Drone Podcast says absolute classic, great soundtrack and perfect balance of comedy. We've got at 9to5Nerds says the only part I was weirded out by was the saxophone bit. Oh, like you said. I agree. He was creepy. Other than that, it was a solid vampire movie. Some can't look past the dated film, but it didn't bother me. It was a fun watch. Odd seeing Jason Patrick with long wavy hair, but it was the 80s. Absolutely right. He really doesn't look anything like that now. He's a very handsome man. I'm going to Google him. At Jason 
Cotter says, I hear saxophone and vampire in the same sentence and I immediately know what's up. So lots of love. Yeah, he is good looking, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he's uh, he's like a, a fine wine. As he's got older, he's definitely, you know, grown into his looks. A lot of men are like that, though. Yeah, it's funny. I was saying that today with my mum because I took her to see Mamma Mia 2. And you were obviously talking about... We were talking about Piers Brosnan. Yeah, of course. He's, you know, uh, seems to kind of get, get more dashing with age. Yeah. And then we got on to George Clooney, of course. And just in general, that that men do tend to age better than women. I agree. Good-looking men age better than good-looking women age. Yes. Like David Beckham, for example. Yeah, he gets better with age, another one. Whereas a lot of women, it, it goes downhill. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I think it's because with women as well, there's probably a little bit more of a tendency to have to to feel like you have to start doing stuff, Botox and stuff like that. And then people, some people take it too far. Also, on on you know women, when you're younger, to be very slim and stuff is looks fine. But the older you get, it ages you. It does when men start to go grey, it's like a bit of salt and pepper in the hair. Women, they're dying it. Well, they just look fine, don't they? Hmm. Right, is there anything you want to add on this film? I don't think so. So from next episode, we'll be back to normal, where we are going back to review rides from theme parks. I won't tell you which one, because we might change it. Depends what what Holly can find. No, I've got got the next one ready to go. You've got the next one. Wow, I'm still not going to tell anyone. I'm going to keep it a secret already downloaded because you texted me about it i did but normally you just you know that doesn't mean anything i text you an awful lot normally ignore you but this time i listen to you it's impressive (laughs) so we'll be going back to our usual format although we will have another special around christmas time which we won't be revealing yet but we can reveal it's got nothing to do with theme parks so you can find us on Twitter at Theme Park Films, on Instagram at Theme Park Films Podcast, or you can email us themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. We are also the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. Please go and follow Britpod Scene on Twitter, where everything we retweet are the shows that we endorse. Thank you very, very much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Theme Park Films Podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more.